Section 14 of The Wit and Humor of America, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by E. Scarab. The Woman Who Married an Owl by Anne Virginia Culbertson. When the children got home from the nutting expedition and had eaten supper, they sat around discontentedly, wishing every few minutes that their mother had returned. I wish Mama would come back, said Ned. I never know what to do in the evening when she isn't home. I allow about the best you all can do is to let me put you to bed, said Aunt Frony. Don't want to go to bed. I'm not sleepy. Want to stay up, came in chorus from three pairs of lips. You chillin' as wusser than night owls, said the old woman. If you keeps on with this sitting up all night business, I bound some of you gwine to turn into one of these yer big fussy owls with yaller eyes staring just the way little Ma's kit doin' this very minute, trying to keep hisself awake. And that minds me of a owl where turn hisself into a man, and if a owl can do that, what's the hint of one of you all turnin' into a owl, I like to know. So you best come along up to bed, and if you was right spry getting ready, maybe I'll whirl in and tell you about that owl. The little procession moved upstairs, Cooney, the houseboy, bringing up the rear with an armful of sticks and some fat splinters of lightwood, which were soon blazing with an oily sputter. Cooney scented a story, and his bullet pate was bent over the fire an unnecessarily long time as he blew valiant puffs upon the flames which no longer needed his assistance, and arranged and rearranged the skillfully piled sticks. Quit that foolishness, nigger, said Frony at last, and sit down on the hearth and have yourself. If you want to stay, why don't you say so, stood of blowing yourself black in the face? Now then, if y'all ready, I gwine begin. This year what I gwine to tell happened at the time of the year when the Injuns was having the green corn dance, and I reckon y'all about to ask me what that is, so I suppose I might as well tell you. Long in August, when the Injuns stopped working the corn, what we call laying by the crop, then they could most times tell if twas gwine to be a good crop, so they meant to get ready for the dance, nigh a month beforehand. They went to the medicine man and asked him for the pint a day. Then medicine man, he sought out runners to tell everybody, and the runners, they carried membrance strings with knots tied all along them and gave them to the people for to help a member. The folks, they'd cut off a knot from the string each day, and when the last one done cut off, then they know the day for the dance was come. And the medicine man, he sought out hunters too for to get game and more runners for to carry it to the people's so's they might cook it and bring it in. When the time come, the people got together and the medicine man, he took in some of the new corn and some of all the crops and burnt it, for the people was allowed to eat any. After the burning, then he took in a year of corn in one hand and extra blessings and good crops with that hand, while he raised up to her hand to the storm and the wind and the hail and beg him not to bring evil upon the people. After that, they all made their breakfast off in roasting years of the new corn and then the dance begun and lasted four days and four nights. The men dress up in the best, and the gals wearing great rattles tied on their knees that shook and rattled with every step. The gal while I gwine tell about was on her way home on the fourth night, and she was powerful tired, cause them rattles is monstrous heavy, and she been keeping it up four nights and running. She was gwine through a dark place in the woods, when suddenly she see the young man all wrap up in a soft gray blanket and leaning against a tree. His eyes was big and round and bright, and they seemed to burn like fire. Demise drawed the gal and drawed the gal twill she wasn't feared no more, and she come near, 
and last he put out his arm drop up in the gray blanket and draw her close twill she leaned again him and she look up in the big bright eyes and she say why is you why is you and he say oogu coo oogu coo that was the cherokee name for owl but the gal ain't pay no attention to that for most of the engine men was named adder the birds and the beezes and such as that adder that she used to go out to the woods every night to see the young man and she always sing out to him what is you what is you and he'd answer oogu coo oogu coo that was the onlyest word he'd ever say but the gal thought twas all right for she done make up her mind that he longed to another tribe or injuns or spoke different from her own people sizin dat she love him and when in gals in love they think everything the man do is just bout right and these here coatin couples is no gret for talkin nohow the gals daddy was dead and her and her mammy live all alone so last she make up her mind that it be heap mo handy to have a man round the house so she up and tell her mammy that she done got mad her mammy say you is is you well who the man the gals say oogu-coo well then says her mammy i reckon you best bring him home this year oogu-coo and see if we can't make him useful a little good game now and then it suit my mouth right well we ain't have now pussin to do no huntin for us since your daddy died mammy says the gal i's bleeged to tell you that my husband can't speak our language all the better says her mammy says she there ain't gwine to be no trouble bout that cause i can do talk enough for two and i ain't want one dese yer back talkin son-in-laws nohow so the next night the gal went off and come back late with the young man her mammy axed him in and give him a seat by the fire and dar he saw it all wrap up in his blanket with his head turned away from the light not saying nothin to nobody and the fire died down and the wind blewed moanful outside and dar he saw it on and on and on when the women's went to sleep dar he was sittin still but in the mornin when they woke up he was gone and they ain't seen hide in your hair of em all day the next night he come again and bring a lot of game with him and he put that down at the door and set hisself down by the fire and stay there same as before not sayin nair word that kind of aggravates the gal's mammy at last cause she was one dese here womens why no sooner gets what they ask fer than they ain't care about hit no more she want son-in-law why can't talk she get him and then she want one can answer back she gettin kind of jubis bout him but she feared to say anything for fear he quit and she get no more game third night he come once more with a parcel of game and she might have curious bout him by that time she say to herself well if i ain't got the curiousest son-in-law in these diggins then i miss the question i wonder what make him set with his face turned from the fire and blinkin his eyes all the time i wonder why he ain't never on loose that blanket and why he glongs off to the daylight and never comes back twelve the dark oh mammy says the gal says she ain't i told you he can't speak our language and i spec he done come from dat warm country what we uh, tell bout way off yonder and dat how come he had to keep his blanket round him i reckon he get so tired huntin all day no wonder he had her blink his eyes to keep him open but a mammy won't satisfied cause hit mighty hard to hate off one of dese here prime womens so she go outside and gar up some light wood splinters and throw em on the fire dis way all of a sudden here the old woman rose and threw on a handful of light wood which blazed up with a great sputtering and in the strong light she stood before the fire enacting the part of the scared owl for the delighted yet half-startled children and when she throwed it on aunt frony proceeded 
the fire blazed and spit and sputtered just like this do, and the ooman, she fussed a yell and cried out, she did, Land of the merciful, what curious sort of wood is this year that act like this? The owl, he was startled, and he looked round sudden this way over his shoulder, and the women's they let out a terrible screech, cause they see twa'n't nothing but a big owl settin' dar blinkin'. Owl seed he was found out, and he riz right up and give his great wide wings a big flop, like this, and swoop out of the door crying, Oogoo-coo, Oogoo-coo, as he flew off into the darkness. Here Aunt Froney spread her arms like wings and made a swoop halfway across the room to the bedside of the startled children. And, she continued, the wind how moaned for all night long and seemed to the gal and her mammy like twas the voice of poor Oogoo-coo moaning for the gal he loved. And didn't he ever come back, said Ned. No, nah, sir, that he didn't. He was too shamed to come back. And he'd been so shamed of the trick ever since that he hide hisself way in the daytime and never come out till the dusk. And didn't he go sweeping and swooping along on them great big soft wings, so quiet that he ain't make the ghost of a sound, just looks like a big shadow flitting round in the dusk. he take that time, too, cause he knowed that about then the little field mouses and such as that comes out and immenses to run round. And woe be unto them if they meets up with Mr. Owl, they's a goner show. But how could they think an owl was a man? asked Janie. Well, honey, the tale ain't tell that, but I done study it out this away. That moan likely the gal been turning up her nose at some young engine man, and out of spite, he done gone and got some witch to put a spell on her so's the owl'd look like a man, and she'd go and throw herself away on an old no-count bird. Yes, I reckon that was about the way. And now y'all better shut up them peepers, or you'll be getting like the owls, no good in the daytime, and wanting to be up and prowling all night. End of The Woman Who Married an Owl by Anne Virginia Culbertson Recording by E. Scarab, Lexington, Kentucky